Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. This is a uh, this is actually just Trey Cashin, but you are listening to the Mystery of Parenthood. Um, Stephanie had a previous engagement that she could not get out of, and so you'll have to put up with me. And um, hopefully, maybe Dennis, if if there's anything to add in, um, we'll break up the monotony. But in <laughs> but in uh, as we always do, I'd like to begin with uh, with our prayer. Uh, if I can get it pulled up here, here it is. Let's begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for the human dignity and for the growth in the truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, Grant that the church may fulfill, I mean, may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> hey, today, today, after having gone and, and spent the weekend with with a group of uh, teenagers and um, at a confirmation retreat, which by the way was outstanding, um, it's really made me think about about the Holy Spirit and the need for us to um, to call on Him as as family. So hopefully, I'd like to go through today and and speak about how the Holy Spirit um, should be seen and should be. Um, we should become aware of his presence and make use of the fact that he wants to be engaged in every aspect of, of our lives as husbands and wives, as parents, as children. And so um, I think, unfortunately, the, the Holy Spirit tends to get the, the back seat frequently on, on many things. So many times, you know, we're, I think I heard Deacon Ron talk about the fact that, so, I mean, most of us, We'll probably say at least one "Our Father" a day, and 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 many of us will maybe say "Jesus, I trust in you" or some recognition. But frequently, um, I think if we're honest, and maybe I'm wrong, but um, at least in my life, the Holy Spirit sometimes is left uh, uncalled upon, and um, and I think it's really important for us to um, kind of look at the Holy Spirit and how we need to engage the Holy Spirit and recognize his presence and, and go from there. So um, we're going to go through this and, and talk about a few things. And I think it's uh, pull from a few different source documents and do it. But here's, here's, here's the, the one that I um, always like to start with, because this is from John chapter 14 
um, in the Gospels, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, during the Last Supper. And, um, and I think that it's important to kind of listen to this because it, it's striking what's said here. Let's see. It says, Jesus says at the end, um, verse 12 of chapter 14, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The, the part I want to point out is that first part, he who believes me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. The question is, is it's not even mentioned here, but why does he go to the Father? <laughs> he goes to the Father so that the Holy Spirit can be sent. And when the Holy Spirit is sent, not only will we do the works that Jesus does, but we will do greater works than these. That was always striking to me, because one of the things that I, that I remember struggling with is, am I really doing greater works <laughs> Than these, and my maybe I don't have faith. Maybe I'm not engaging the Holy Spirit. Maybe, you know, this. And you look at your life, and maybe some of you are out here like that. But if you're, I mean, running around from practice to school to parent-teacher organization meeting to lunch, dinner, whatever, you know, all the different things that go on, and just the everydayness of it, we <laughs> sometimes feel like. Well, none of those are great things. And I and and something that struck me was as I was as I was looking at my own life was how are those greater things than what Jesus had? And I, and while I don't attest to know the exact answer to that, I think it's amazing or it's important to point out that it's perhaps our view of what great deeds look like. You know, in other words, I think we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to what do, what do great works look like? And if you think about it as a, as a parent, of all the things that we can do, of all the things that we can engage in, of all the things, the created order that we can be involved in, if we have the Holy Spirit, we know what? He's the giver of love. He's the giver of life, right? I mean, he's he is, in fact, love itself. It is the, the inner change the the self-giving of the father and the son is the holy spirit is love and that love is shared with us what in the world that we do day to day is more like that in our just day-to-day regular normal everyday occurrences is is like that more than what it is like in a family what is more than like that than the way we deal with our spouse, the way we deal with our children? They, of all created beings, they're, of all created things, there is nothing more important than the children that we're given um, in terms of what we've been given stewardship over. Because the cars that we have, the houses that we have, the pools that we have, those are all going away. They're all passing. But our, of all the things that, we're, that are entrusted to us as a steward, money, all that, the greatest thing that we can be entrusted with is the 
infinite value of a of a of a soul infinite at least in terms of that soul will never pass away so in terms of investing ourselves in in something there really cannot be anything more important than what we do as parents and that is why i think that when we look at this greater works than these you will do we need to get away from thinking as the world thinks in terms of greater things you know i we've lost a rocket to to mars or we you know i made a billion dollars because i invented this computer or all the different things that we might do ask the holy spirit for perspective because perspective is of all the things that we touch in this life of all the things we come in contact with of all the things that god entrusts to us there really is nothing more valuable <laughs> from a human perspective than another human being and certainly human beings that have been entrusted to us as our own children. And so I think to start from that, let's start thinking that those are the great works that we're called to. Those are the things that, that, that are meant. So all the time that we're working on, how do we feed these kids? How do we keep them healthy? How do we teach them the way they should go? All begins with the Holy Spirit. All begins with an understanding of the way God looks at things. And our perspective has to change, I think, when we are going to go through this. I mean, we have to, I guess, refocus our eyes so that we can begin to see the great meaning that God has given us. Because remember, the mystery of parenthood is based on the idea, which is the church's idea, that that marriage is a sacrament. It's a visible sign, an outward sign of an invisible reality instituted by Christ to confer grace. And the sign that we're called to, I heard, I think, Father, I mean, Bishop Barron talking today, it is, the sign is actually what we become. We make a vow as husband and wife on the day that we're married, saying that we're open to becoming a sign of God's presence in this world. Well, part of that is to reflect God himself to our children And another part of it is, is that our children in a certain way, together with us, is some sort of image of the most holy trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit to be able to to be part of of, uh, helping us to understand what we're doing day to day, to have the eyes to see, the eyes of faith to see that there is nothing more important at work than, or at play or in the stuff that we have. There's nothing more important than those children that have been given to us. And those are the greater works that I think, at least for people like me and most of you out there listening, that we're called to, to, to recognize the great dignity and the great um, privilege and the great responsibility that any one of us has been given by God having entrusted a child to us. And so um, I find that helpful <laughs> and I find it encouraging that greater works than these you will do. He went to heaven to send the Holy Spirit. And so this adds another thing. At the very end of what I just said before about the sacrament of marriage, visible sign, outward sign of an invisible reality instituted by Christ to confer grace, the reason we can do greater things is because the sacrament gives us grace. And grace 
empowers us. Grace strengthens us. Grace allows us to do the things that we could never do separate from, um, separate from those graces. And the Holy Spirit is there inside of us to help us be encouraged that when it gets tough, when it gets hard, when there's kids who are sick or when the bills get hard to pay or whatever, that we can count on, we can count on the Holy Spirit um, to provide us with the graces we need to be empowered, to be strengthened, um, to be able to handle those things that are entrusted to us as parents. And so I just want to go through, that was just something I th- that was, has always been encouraging to me and, and was a little confusing when I, when I say that, because those are big words to say that Jesus says, well, greater things than I do, you will do because I go to the Father. That shows us how important the Holy Spirit is. And so I wanted to point that out. Here's another thing that I think that I, that I learned this weekend that I think we can all put into practice. When I got there um, on on Friday and Friday night, um, we were kind of we, we we did a few things and then we got together later in the evening. The people who were running it and were telling us what we were going to do. And one of the things that they that they said we were going to do um, was that we were going to get in small groups and then call on the Holy Spirit for gifts and that we would pray in small groups over individuals. And I remember thinking, and maybe this is the fact that I'm a 52-year-old Catholic, um, it was something that I was not necessarily comfortable with, although I knew that it's something that is, um, has been in the church. The laying on of hands and the praying over has always been something that, that we do. What I, what I, the first thing that we did is actually that night, we, we prayed over each other, the people who were, the people who were actually working um, that and I, f- I remember thinking, oh, that, that was beautiful, but I wonder how these kids are going to take it. You know, maybe they're going to make fun of it or laugh about it or whatever. And almost without exception, the thing that amazed me was, number one, when they were provided with the opportunity to lay hands and pray on others, they all did it. The other, beyond that, the people who, when they got in the middle, had to say, please pray for me for wisdom, for an increase in faith for courage, for protection from physical harm, whatever it was, they were, they very easily actually provided that. It was really surprising when we got to the end, um, after everybody had prayed, we did it two separate occasions with, with the kids. When we got to the very end of the of the retreat, I remember we were in a circle gathered with some guys and, and we, the guys that I was leading my small group. And I asked, you know, what was what was the favorite thing of of the weekend? And uh, the one that struck me is there was at least two of them that said that that praying over each other was the favorite thing that they had done. In, in that, I think that that points us to that as families, we should maybe once in a while gather in a circle and, and spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes, you know, once a month, once a quarter, you know, whatever's fit, spend some time, or we do it every night, one child at a time. I don't know how you implement it, but take time to do that and ask, what would you like me to pray for? What And, and all of us, pray over that person for that. Um, 
and I think there was two things that we that we did, which I think are both equally. One was kind of for healing, for anything that's a problem that's not a right in their life. That would be one thing. And then we also prayed for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We asked, what are what are the what are what's a gift that you would like to receive from the Holy Spirit? What's a particular gift that we that you think you might need? And I think that's just it's something that's so out of the ordinary for me. I don't know about. <laughs> about anybody else out there, it was out of the ordinary, but I was struck by their openness, their not only openness to receiving it, but actually openness to participate in it. And then to actually say that that was something that they thought was the best part of it. That was great. Now, here's the other thing. And I, and we sell the church short, I think a lot. I mean, I, I, I know I do, at least in the back of my head, because sometimes I think there are things that we do. Say adoration, you know, there's a theological side that says, you know, I love adoration. I know that's who it is, but I don't know how the kids are going to handle it. Or confession, you know, I know the grace is there. There's part of like book smart. There's part of I know this is it. And there's part of it that's just me. But then but then there's the part of, okay, I'm now going to extend it to these kids. And, well, maybe they're not there. Maybe that's not, you know, it's not as fun as really good music or, or, you know, skits or whatever might happen. And so there's a part that's hesitant. I think it's the devil. Cause what I saw when, when we went is when we put them in positions that are really almost solely Catholic situations, when we put them in the presence of Jesus and the Holy Eucharist, when we, when we showed them reverence and when they were allowed the opportunity to to, to be reverent and to pray and to sing, they engaged in it. Not, I mean, amazingly engaged. And when, when I asked, and I've asked, I just, every kid that I run into, I've said, so what was your favorite? And these are all various places in their Catholic walk, but they're all about to receive their, I mean, what I heard was the praying and laying on of hands was one. What I heard was confession was my favorite part. Reconciliation and penance was my favorite part. What I heard was adoration. So all the stuff that, you know, you throw in there as, oh, this will be the fun stuff to get them over the stuff that's more difficult. They don't look at the games that you're playing. They don't, they don't, they're not looking at those. I, I don't know if that's striking to you. It, it was striking to me and actually very encouraging to me. Shouldn't be surprising to me because as a theologian, I, know, I mean, Jesus is really there. The Holy Spirit's really there. But there's something about the way we've grown up. I mean, maybe I'm just talking for me, but I, I, I would assume there's people, other people out there that have this sense that, oh, you know, I am so on fire for the Eucharist and being able to do adoration. But, you know, these kids maybe aren't ready for it. You know, they need, we need to have more fun skits and more things like that. And what I've what I see over and over again is that is not the case. It's like, it's like many other things that I've heard people say down the road when I would teach first communion, you know, people say, well, they're not ready to understand that Jesus is their body, blood, soul, and divinity. And my response was, well, that's not for you to decide. The Holy spirit exists. You need to give them the fullness because nobody that can actually honestly say with the fullness of their heart that I totally get it. I totally understand it. I mean, it is, so, so easy to understand is that that Jesus is in what looks like a piece of bread, looks like a cracker, is their body, blood, soul, and divinity. 
I think we sell the Holy Spirit short is what I'm saying. I, I think I do. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I do. I'm making a confession here live or maybe not so live on, on the radio that, that I do. And I think we all do. And I, I, I like to thank the people who led, who led that to allow us to get outside of our comfort level, because what you see when you get outside your comfort level is the ability of the Holy Spirit, the ability of Jesus, the ability of God to actually help those kids really see what the fullness of the faith has to offer. It's not a bunch of games. It's not a bunch of that, but there's real life. I mean, I, I wish all of y'all could have been there to, you know, to hear how these teenagers were singing praise and worship songs in the presence of the Eucharist. It was moving. It was, it was a God thing uh, because you could just see so many kids that maybe didn't participate as much in, in this or in the small group that there were just all of them engaged, or at least a large percentage of them engaged in prayer, engaged in praise and worship, engaged in adoration, engaged, engaged in all the stuff that's Catholic. We as Catholic families, I think, need to step outside. I'm, I'm challenging my family, all right? I'm challenging me as the head of it but I'm challenging you as well to dare to step out of your comfort zone and have a little prayer meeting, you know, with gather them together and pray over them and with them, have them pray over you. Tell them this is what you're struggling with and do that. Dare to go and spend, you know, 15 minutes at the adoration chapel and, and just be there. Dare to, have somebody that plays a guitar come over. I used to feed like Dave Reggett's barbecue and say, just, you know, the only thing I'm going to charge you is a few praise and worship songs at my house. You know, if, if you can play, then that's, that's great. But, but dare to do something that's maybe outside your comfort level. Because I think we as Christians and we as Catholics can get very comfortable in, this is what we do on Sunday. This is how it looks. This is all that. And I think what I saw this past weekend really confirmed to me something I think I've always known in my head and now know in my heart that when you open the door to the Holy Spirit and you allow the Holy Spirit to move, he can do things that you cannot even imagine. He can make kids who don't want to sing, sing, not make them, but give them the graces that they need to be able to do things that they couldn't do, to do greater things than these. And so... I guess one practical thing I'm going to ask all of y'all to prayerfully consider is take 15 minutes out of the week. I mean, what is that? That's, that's nothing. And pray over them or take 15 minutes and, and say, we're going to stop on the way to eat dinner. You know, we're going out to eat. We're going to stop by and spend 10 minutes at the Adoration Chapel together. I mean, we don't have to start with like the, you know, an hour. We don't have to start with a whole evening of, of praying over, but start with something that, that we can do and allow the Holy Spirit to act. That's, you know, I think what the Holy Spirit wants to have happen in, in truly Christian, truly Catholic um, marriages and families. So anyway, I think that's, uh, that was one of the, one of the things that opened my eyes to this. Um, here's another thing. All of us want, um, unity, right? I mean, I can remember during some difficult times in, in previous family occurrences that, that there were a number of issues, but I remember my dad 
when I was younger saying, I just want peace. I just want, I want unity. And we have to re-tap into well, what is the source of unity? What is the source of peace? And really it's not what is, <laughs> it's who is the source of unity and who is the source of peace and begin to tap into the supernatural truth that we're not just material beings, that all the stuff that we do as a family, as a married couple, as parents, have a supernatural, a um, spiritual side to it. And so what is that? It, there is only one source of unity. There's only one source of peace, no matter what. And that, and that is God himself. And Jesus came and died on the cross rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and after 10 days sent on the day of Pentecost the Holy Spirit, which now resides in his church and in our families as domestic churches so that we can tap into that, that we can have the eyes to see, but participate, actually participate in the divine nature, which is unity itself, love itself. And so I think it's important for us to get back to an understanding that, yes, we can, you know, play games, we can get together and talk on a regular basis, we can, we can do whatever. But whenever we do that, we need to place ourselves in God's presence. We need to understand that unity is a gift, just as love is a gift in a supernatural sense. There's a human way of living and a human ray of unity, but those are very tenuous. They're very fragile. Um, I think every time it breaks down in our family, it breaks down primarily because we think we're actually the ones that are creating that peace, that are creating that unity. We need to be open to calling upon the Holy Spirit and remembering we're tapping into what's been given to us, which is a, very, which is a participation in the divine nature which is love itself, which is love himself, which is the Holy Spirit. I think that, you know, we need to, again, embrace the truth that we are spirit and matter, that we are body and soul, and that to, to not have, to not tap into the fact that for everything that we do externally, there we need to have an internal, um, spiritual uh, kind of touchstone, I guess, for what for what we have, so as we can participate in in the divine nature. I'm sitting here thinking about the fact that you know we as Catholics need to remember that um, I'm thinking Second Peter, if I remember. Let's see. Um, here we go. Listen to this. This is St. Peter talking. His divine power, this is Second Peter 1, 3. God's divine power, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises that through these you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of passion and become partakers of, of the divine nature where this idea that has always been a Christian idea of divinization of sharing in God's very 
essence, of in his very presence, of his nature, that God came. Jesus came, died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sent the Holy Spirit so that we might have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the most holy trinity in us, and become partakers of the divine nature. What is the divine nature? Love itself, unity in diversity. What is a family called to? Unity in diversity, love, self-gift. And so when we do that, um, it's important that we, again, pray as, as spouses, pray as families for a share in that divine nature, for a share in the graces that we need to be able to uh, be an accurate sign, a visible sign of God's invisible presence in us, of his invisible unity in us, and his, of his invisible love in us. That's how God makes himself present today, through you and me, through our families, through our marriages. That's how love properly understood is made visible to this world. Not because that's what we say, because that's how God made it. And so as a family, again, there is nothing more important than you recognizing that this Holy Spirit lives in us, that we're, we're praying for, but then we're also reminding ourselves that we need to tap into, become partakers of the divine nature. Well, how do we do that? Pray as a family. When we go to the Eucharist, teach our children that what's happening. Help them to recognize that even seeing the Mass itself is, an, is a teaching opportunity, that everything is offered to the Father through, the, through Christ in the Holy Spirit. Remember, where do we hear that? We hear that through Him, with Him, and in Him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor are yours, Almighty Father. That's, that is part of the, the prayer before the great amen. It's the great offering of Jesus the head with the rest of the body, that that's, what, that's what's happening. That's where we partake in and we receive and we become united with the divine nature because that's where he is. We, we do that. So understanding and living out the mass is part of it. Praying as a family is part of it. But always, I think it's important, I think it'd be important to sit aside is listen, God wants to share his unity. He wants to share his love. He wants to give us the ability to do more than we can do ourselves. So if I as dad have failed because of the way I've treated some treated you or not listened or not done that, I failed because I have been me and not been uh, subserving it to the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to go to confession. We're going to go to Mass. And these things are for what? So that we can become better images of God himself as a family. We're going to allow God into that, open the door. As we were talking, one of the images that, that came up, because somebody had prayed, one more thing, this again, this was a kid I would never have expected this. What would you like us to pray for? The answer was from, I mean, was to be open. And <laughs> I was like, what a great prayer. And it's coming from that, but as as we prayed over him, the image that came to my mind was there's that great picture of um, of Jesus standing outside the door knocking, and if you look really closely, there's no 
handle on the outside of the door, um, which necessarily says there was a handle on the inside. The only way he's not going to break down the door, he's not going to do it, but just open it up enough a crack so that he can come in. And that made me, made me recognize that we as families, as married couples, as families need to say, we want you to come into our house. We want you, we want to open the door. That's a prayer that we, that we should pray together. We want you to come show us what love is really like, what true community is really like, how we can live together in a way that brings um, a visible sign to this world of what love looks like. Because I can look around, even at our house, but certainly other places where um, families and marriages and stuff are really struggling. And if we rely on our own strength, if we rely on simply the wisdom of man and the direction of, you know, Oprah and Dr. Phil and whoever, whoever it is, we are ultimately going to fail. But we're not called to fail. That's the beauty of it. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. God will provide you with the graces you need if you ask them. I think that sometimes I know that we do. We may go weeks, months, years without reminding ourselves that, hey, any unity we have, any love that we have that is lasting is a participation in God himself. And so we need to have that as, as something that we talk about as a family. When we go to Mass, hey, we, we are participating in the Mass. We're giving everything we have. But, but please, let's all pray that the Holy Spirit, that, that Jesus himself in uniting with us will provide us a glimpse of what true unity is like, what true love is like in and through how we deal with each other that. Uh, throughout the day, throughout the rest of this week. Um, I think that's really important. So again, I think prayer and the liturgy um, are not only essential, they're, 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 they're things that, that effectively help us as families to become the images that we were created to be. And so call on the Holy Spirit um, call on him to enter your life to help us. I mean, I think one of the things that, that, that I struggle with and I, one of my prayers and asked the kids to pray for was the ability to surrender. You know, there's, there's so much in me and probably some of you out there that, that I want to be in control or I want to say, okay, God, I got this, you know, help me when I can't handle it. And and I think to be able to surrender is, is um, at least for me, a prayer to surrender to what is the Holy Spirit prompting me to. And if, when the Holy Spirit prompts me to something or prompts our family to something, maybe this show is going to prompt something in you. Say, yeah, we should be doing that. Do it. <laughs> Go do it. Just once. Let him do it. I, if anything, I've learned just in this past weekend don't limit the Holy Spirit. Don't limit God by what in our mind we think our kids need, by what in our mind we think is a family we need. Dare to step outside the box. Dare to trust that he will have an impact and then go and do something. You know, go and do some, you know, 15 minutes of adoration, like I said, or a 15-minute prayer, you know, around the kitchen table or in the living room or wherever, and do that and see the impact that God can have. 
and see the way your kids embrace that and also be an example. If you've got something that needs to be prayed for, allow them to pray, pray for you over that. So, um, anyway, I thought that that was, that was another, another, um, important aspect. I'm going to, I'm going to do extend, go to the catechism here and article A to the catechism kind of, and kind of read through, um, a few things here. Know that when the Holy Spirit is leading the Catholic Church, is leading the Catholic Church now, it, the, the, we believe as Catholics that the Church is both human and divine, that the Holy Spirit is um, in this world working uh, through Christ's bride, the Church. All right? I think it's important that when we're told that we're a domestic church, that we, rec- that we recognize that we're meant to be a little microcosm, a little small picture of what the church is. So when we say things about the church to a certain level, to a certain level, I think it's important for us to remember that in, in a way, those things that are said about the church are things that we should um, recognize uh, as being something that should be part of us. And so I'm going to go to 688 here, for example. Well, actually, let's do this. We'll do 687 and kind of go through this. And this is a quote from uh, 1 Corinthians 2.11 that starts 687 in Article 8 of Part 1 of the Catechism. No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now God's Spirit, who reveals God, makes known to us Christ, His Word, His living utterance, but the Spirit does not speak of Himself. The Spirit who has, quote-unquote, spoken through the prophets makes us hear the Father's word. And we do not hear the Spirit himself. We know him only in the movement by which he reveals the word to us and disposes us to welcome him in faith. The Spirit of truth who unveils Christ to us will not speak on his own. Such properly divine self-effacement explains why the world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him, while those who believe in Christ know the Spirit because he dwells within them. A couple of really important points here. The Spirit is delivering Jesus' word, the Word, is delivering what God has to say to you. And so it's important for us to recognize that when we're reading Scripture. That's another place. When we, well, that's another thing we should be doing. If we spend ten minutes, I mean, get get an get an app and put it on your phone. Truth and Life app, which which you can get the you can get the daily readings on that. It takes all of if you, if 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 you don't have enough time set aside to pray, then at least take five ten minutes to read the daily readings when you get up in the morning. And before you do that, ask God to speak to you through those. The Holy Spirit inspired those words. It, they are the words of Jesus. They're the words of God the Father that are meant for you day in and day out. So recognize that it's in those that we hear the Holy Spirit and that when we speak, we are speaking um, the Word. That's which is what always what the, what the Holy Spirit points to. So in addition to that, you know, take get an app. I've got the Catholic mega app. Anybody out there have the Catholic mega app? It's, it is mega. (laughs) There, there is a ton in there. You can pray the liturgy, the hours there, there is so much, but, but find something that you can put your hand on easily. 
you know, that you can take five or 10 minutes and, and, and do so that you can hear the inspired word of God. You can hear what the Holy Spirit is inspired to be written, which is a, which is Jesus himself to that. So that's first thing. Second thing is, and I think this is important to remember, if we follow the Holy Spirit, people who are not Christian are going to, are going to be, um, surprised by maybe how you handle a certain situation or whatever. That's how the witness occurs. That's how the the witness occurs is somebody outside because we have the Holy Spirit in us. If we handle a situation the way God is asking us to, it should point to, wow, (laughs) something's different about them. Well, what's different about us, if we are living it out, is not that we've fabricated some way to do things. It's because the Holy Spirit has been leading us through it. So the circumstances that come up in how you correct a child, how you walk through a day, how you handle a boss, how you handle when things don't go the way you want. And boy, I fail those every day. (laughs) But always recognize that those situations are the situations that God is allowing to happen to you. And if we call on the Holy Spirit he will provide us with the way to manage it. So what does that mean? So one thing, if a kid is misbehaving and you're trying to correct them, I would challenge you, and I've found that it has always helped, if, I, if instead of doing what I initially want to do, what, it, what is my initial response, call on the Holy Spirit to allow you the words to do. So you're calling the Holy Spirit for yourself, for how do I handle this situation, I would also suggest that you very strongly ask the Holy Spirit to convict your child of the, of what they're doing is wrong for them to hear it. I had an interesting situation where I really felt bad, but I kind of confronted a child, a child, a young man who had, who was misbehaving during adoration was just, he was just talking extraordinarily loud and um, I had prayed to help him. And, and then I, probably didn't handle it as well as I'd like to have. Um, and I went back to adoration and I, and I was sorry. And I, and I asked and I went and I was kind of convicted to go back to the kid and say, listen, Jesus would have handled this way better than me. (laughs) And, and, but what I was trying to convey to you was that that's God up there and, and he deserves our respect. He died for you. He died for me. And, before I could even finish talking, because I had prayed for him to be convicted as well, um, before I could even finish talking, this, this young man stopped me and said, I was disrespectful. I, 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 what I did was wrong. And will you forgive me too? Now, this was somebody who had been a challenge for the whole week. There again, God's presence is making a difference. It wasn't the things that I said. In fact, in spite of the way I may have said it, he was brought that the, the next morning. This is a kid that wasn't in a small group, wasn't anything, and it certainly has nothing to do with me, but that I, that I confronted. I went up to shake his hand and say, you know, I hope everything's fine, and he unsolicited hugged me. He, he, he hugged me, and he said, I needed what you had to say yesterday. Well, well what I had to say, if I said anything worthwhile came from the Holy Spirit. What, what happened to the, to the young man was the Holy Spirit worked on him because I didn't really have a relationship with him 
at, at that point. He wasn't in a small group. What I'm telling you is, again, if we call on the Holy Spirit to convict the, the child or the young man or whoever we're dealing with of their need for conversion, and we call on the Holy Spirit for the right words and the right way to present it, that we can trust that he's going to be at work in that. And if you make a mistake, like I think I did, not in the, not in the fact that I had called him on something, but in the way I probably delivered the message in the setting that I delivered it, God can still work with that. If you go back and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I know I didn't handle this the way you would handle it. Please forgive me for that. But what I was trying to convey is, is I know something that you want conveyed and just be open and honest. Talk with the Lord, talk with him and just trust that he'll have an impact. And again, was amazed by the fact that God was able to use my not so kind, maybe not so Jesus-like words um, and my willingness to not be so proud as to say, well, I was right anyway, and to just turn to the kid to be able to convict me and change me, convict him and change him, and then allow that to happen. We as parents should do that all the time. When a kid is acting up or when a kid is struggling with something, even if they're not acting up, maybe they're having a problem with something, maybe they're down on what's going on in their life. Before we engage them, pray that the Holy Spirit would open them up, that they would, that they, that they would, the Holy Spirit would touch the child in a way, touch the young man, touch the young lady, touch your child, and that you would pray for the wisdom. If we engage the Holy Spirit, I think we'll all be amazed. Um, when I fail, it's because I usually act immediately. When I fail, it's because I just respond out of my human anger or out of my human frustration or out of that. That When I do that, I fail. When, when I've had any success, it's been when I've stopped myself, had enough self-control to say, I'm not going to handle this very well, Lord. Would you please touch them for me before, and would you please help me know what are the right words to say? What should I do? How do I go forward? I think all of us, if we just try that, try that the next time that you're about to lose your temper. I mean, I unfortunately I'm Irish, so I, <laughs> I got a little bit I got a little bit of temper kind of built into me. But I have to. There, there have been Irish saints, I understand. So, so even even in spite of of that. Um, I, I think that the Holy Spirit's able to able to change. So there's another thing that I think is really important. Um, engage the Holy Spirit in moment to moment. If you see, I mean, I don't know, but I may have a teenager child. You know, I mean, you see sometimes it's not, they're not disobedient, they're not doing that, but maybe they're just down on life or they don't understand what the meaning is. That's when you engage <laughs> God, Lord, help him to see his value. Help him to see the meaning in this. Help him to recognize that and then give me the wisdom. Give us the wisdom. Give mom to do that. Pray for a friend. I mean, goodness, you know, I found that happen, actually. We should be praying for our kids, for their spouses to be, and their well, really, for their vocations first. What are they supposed to be? Are they supposed to be religious the priest, or are they supposed to be married? And then within that vocation, we should be praying for that person that's going to come along. But even before that, we can pray for friends, for holy friends, for our kids. 
I mean, we have a great advocate. That's what Jesus calls him, the advocate. What's an advocate? I mean, somebody that stands up for us. Lord, I want my kids to have holy friends. Would you please provide them with a holy friend? They need a holy friend or holy friends. I've been amazed at the answer to that. I we've prayed we prayed for we prayed for a better, uh, more vibrant youth deal. My kids are now on fire because of what God has provided. God can do things that we can't, and we can gripe and moan about what we don't have or how the kid responds or what or whether we're capable of doing it. And and I think anytime that comes up, I'm going to try to challenge myself and I'll challenge you to stop in those moments when you get frustrated with the situation that you're in, with the, with the child that you're dealing with, with the spouse, with how to deal with the situation, with anything, and stop and say, I am feeling this frustration, Lord. I'm asking you to help. I don't know what that help looks like, but I'm asking you to show me that you are in the middle of this. I think sometimes we think that we're supposed to handle the you know the small things and God will handle the big things. Well, I think God wants to be involved in all the stuff. He wants to be involved in every little thing. And so as a parent, I challenge you to just engage the Holy Spirit. Step outside your box. Stop when when things are going to recognize in the frustration a graced moment where God's asking you to ask him for help. When you feel helpless, with a, with a child, with a situation, with a spouse, stop and say, okay, I feel helpless. God, you, all things are possible for you. I turn to you and I ask you to show your great hand, your great strength in and through this moment. Let me see you at work. And sometimes it doesn't happen like overnight. It doesn't happen in a moment. Sometimes it can, but I think it's really important that we recognize because days, that's why you keep like write down prayers, you know, that you're praying for. And then, and then, Pray for the awareness to recognize when they're answered because they may be answered months later. But when they're answered, you recognize, well, God did that. I mean, he provided what we were praying for. It just, it took more time than maybe I would have liked. But anyway, I hope this rambling has not been too much, but I I think that, uh, I think I would challenge all of you to engage the Holy Spirit and recognize the Holy Spirit wants to act in and through you, wants to act in and through your family. So pray do something outside the box this week. Go to adoration. Go pray over each other. Stop when you're frustrated and, and ask the Holy Spirit to show you the way. Um, read the Bible. Add 10 minutes. Get, something, get an app on your phone so you can read it. Whatever it is, just do something different this week. Ask the Holy Spirit to become part of your family's life in a deeper open. Open your door for them. And so anyway... Now we're drawn to the end. Can I remember the prayer? Pray, <laughs> parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. We're not finished yet, but you know, I always have to remind that that was Stephanie's prayer, but I want you to parent with a purpose this week by asking the Holy Spirit to show you something new today. To just, I dare you to ask, God, Holy Spirit, come and show me that you're at work in this. And if you do that, If you do that, you will be amazed, very amazed. He will amaze you. God bless you, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood. 